Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello, wine friends, and welcome back to another episode. So today, we are joined with the interesting, the inspiring Helena Nicklin. Now, you may already know of Helena if you've watched The Three Drinkers. You can find this on Amazon Prime. In fact, she is the winner of Best Contribution to Wine and Spirits Tourism 2022. So if you haven't seen this, get across to Amazon Prime now and have a listen. She also has her own podcast. So that is called Bring a Bottle. She was recognized in the top 100 most influential people in drinks 2022. Helena is an award-winning drinks writer, a broadcaster, a judge, an author. So I'm really excited to share with you our chat where Helena talks about filming the three drinkers, some funny moments, how she came about with this series. We talk about how she got into the wine industry, which really wasn't a very smooth start and certainly something to open up your eyes to. And, and, how the industry is going and evolving and changing. And we will be focusing on today's theme, which is cognac, distilled grapes. So by the end of this episode, you shall be feeling much more comfortable on how to drink it, what to drink it with, and inspired enough to go out and buy yourself a bottle. So enough of me, let's go over to the chat now. Enjoy. Helena, I actually don't know how you even started in the wine industry. I just see you all over the place on TV, on social media, but there must have been a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh my goodness. There certainly was. What's the short version of this? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, We've only got a certain mm, amount of time. Tell me. Yes, I I think the short version is I did languages at university, French and Italian, and was lucky enough to live in Rome for a year where I discovered which is where I was living there was an Enoteca and this was because I'm old now this was way before we had Enotecas in London and mm, you know okay. this beautiful ivy clad building wooden floors floor to ceiling bottles a piano in the corner cold cuts and I just fell in oh love with it gosh. and they did they did wine flights and mm. the only thing they said was here are three red wines from Italy. One is a Dolcetto, one is a Nebbiolo, and one is a Barbera. And and they literally, they concentrated on grape variety. And so you didn't get distracted by anything else. And that really spoke to me because like, okay, that is a place to start, mm. you know, and then you can bring in all the other stuff. So fast forward to the end of the degree. Um, <laughs> I, also, I wanted to be, a, <laughs> well, I'd always had a hankering to be an actress. Oh yeah, no, me too. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, st- I'm still waiting for that moment. <laughs> well, Hello. Just while, while I was in Rome, I met a load of people from the Cambridge Footlights who were putting on a play. And so I, okay. I, I got in and I did the play with them. And then they were all going off to drama school. And I'm like, hang on. So if these Oxbridge people, because it was mostly Oxbridge people, mm. can do proper degrees and then they're allowed to go and do drama. 
<laughs> then maybe I can too. You know, my, my parents really didn't want me to do anything as frivolous as that. It, it was a hobby. <laughs> Lots years of therapy later. Um, <sighs> anyway, so I got a wine job while I was an actress uh, after training at East 15 acting school, the method one. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I did a postgrad at East 15. Mm-hmm. What, did both for ages, then couldn't handle both because... Well, to be honest, going for auditions, looking for things, it's so, it takes all your time for no money. <laughs> exactly. And trying to get a, trying to hold down a job while doing that is really yes. hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I had a great boss. I worked in an independent wine shop in Clapham oh, and cool. I did that for ages, but then we drank all the profits. So, <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> um, had to, so yeah. And that, so then I moved to Decanter Magazine and it was just too hard to go to auditions, basically. Yeah. Did the Clapham wine shop go under because you drank all the profits? <laughs> Just want to, was it you? It wasn't me personally, no. Although okay. um, in the name of education, I did participate sometimes. It was a great, it was one of those shops where <laughs> the manager Participation. Would, yeah, well, yeah. After work, because we were in Clapham, we we're on Northcote Road. I'm assuming you know mm-hmm, Northcote Road. Mm-hmm, yeah. And there was the golden hour where everyone would get off the train at Clapham Junction and walk home. And a lot of people in banking who like their wine. And so my boss would often open something glorious. They'd come in and they'd have a glass and then invariably they'd buy a bottle to open and then take something home. So it was okay, very practical right. education of fine wine. It was great. I love that. But quite clearly, <laughs> perhaps not the best business model. If only it was. <laughs> I know. So wait, you were then at Decanter and you realised you couldn't do both. So did you go Decanter or did you go Drama route? Well, I had to say goodbye to my agent because... I was offered jobs that just didn't pay anything in acting at all. I, mm-hmm. I you know, and I had, I had a real. I'm grateful for it now, but I honestly, I've had had a lot of therapy about it. There was a crossroads moment where it was just as I was going to Decanter. Actually, I was offered the job. It was just the ad exec at Decanter, which is full time, okay, or okay. or the lead in a play at the Gilded Balloon in Edinburgh, which is a great for venue. free, right? For, yes, but and not even expenses. And I was like, oh my oh. god, and I thought about this for years because it was within a 12-hour period that I got offered both and so I Mm. literally had to make the decision and I knew that if I chose decanter I'd be giving up acting and it was just I can understand how mm, how Mm. mortifying at the time thank god though (laughs) that wine actually offers something so expansive exactly this world right it does yeah and I vowed that one day I'd bring that side back to wine and you have with actually segue which you have with the three drinkers right so is that yeah. kind of bringing it all together again then do oh you think? it certainly is you know I'm a massive show off I really I love being, <laughs> I love being on telly I'm and not, on the radio I'm no no I'm so humble <laughs> well do you, I don't know if you know but I actually started on YouTube oh did you yes but I was I mean, I am now, I'm going to own it. I, I was ahead of my time, right? It was before <laughs> Instagram even existed. Uh-huh. Like, Twitter only started in 2009, I think. So I was making short videos, dressing up my dog as a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, so Tempranillo is the cowboy of, of wine grapes, you know, or Pinot Noir is the ballerina of wine grapes because it's light bodied I... in a cherry silk gown dancing with earth beneath her feet, you know, fine, fine bodied, like silky it. cherry, you know. Um, so, and I was just giving visual images and being a bit silly and dressing up and no, had no glasses and swirling. And I would just say, if you like Pinot Noir, here are three places in the world you need to go. And I got so much shit for it. 
Oh, really? So much, yes. People so... didn't like you using your dog as a representation of a wine grape. <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily that. I just, I got completely trolled. I mean... That's horrid. Okay, that is, oh, do you know that? Oh, it's awful. I thought you were just going to say some people in the wine industry with their corduroy trousers were like, Helena, that's not the way you talk about wine. But oh, screw them. Maybe. No, but that's exactly what happened. And if you think about this, this, this was quite a long time ago. Yeah. And my, you know, my, the Daily Mail article that sort of got a lot of attention last year was a lot about this as well. Yeah, it was, it was when there were very few women in the wine industry, well, sort of on the communication side anyway, there was Jancis and there, were, there was Victoria Moore, but they were writing for papers and it was quite serious. Yeah, and you were dressing up your dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I got I destroyed. I love that though, honestly. Destroyed. Yeah. I love the fact that when you describe, you said Pinot Noir as a ballerina, you're giving somebody who doesn't really understand, you know, when a consumer goes into a bar and says, yeah, red wine, please. House wine. Mm. It's like, well, are you going to get a Merlot? Are you going to get a Malbec? Are you going to get a Cabernet? What what are you getting? They don't know. They're just like, yeah, red wine. It's like, and you get people saying, well, it's all all the same. Well, it's not (laughs) when you pay attention. So to be able to say, oh, okay, I have an image of Pinot Noir being elegant. That Mm. is very, very different to taking something more Mm. robust like a Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't know how you would have dressed up your dog. I don't know. Rugby player. Okay. Yes. Lots of structure. Black currant blues, his arms like cedar trees, holding Uh, holding a black currant, you know, a mint over the over the bits, you know. Right. Full bodied and structure. Yes, but it's instantly you get the image. And many people are visual learners, not just from books. Well, I am. When I did my diploma, I drew a tableau. For each wine region. <laughs> Did you? And learn and learnt it in images. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. No, I think honestly I understand exactly why that helps. So after this horrible trolling, yeah. did you stop YouTube? I did for a while. It knocked me, but luckily I'd had my acting training, so my skin was probably thicker than it it would have been otherwise. Otherwise yeah, okay. I think I would have just left mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. But it took me a long time to go to a tasting because I was usually the only woman there anyway. And um you know, who wasn't pouring wine. <laughs> but I did eventually went back in and Richard Hemming, who I adore, who now lives in Singapore, he just came straight up to me and said, I saw that, you're brilliant. It, you're, these are not your audience anyway, keep going. And I was Love so that. grateful for that. Yeah. And a couple of key people, men, said that to me too. And so I did, you know, there's a, there's a couple of male champions that really, really helped me get back on that horse. And, you know, I think actually you probably had it worse than when you say that there were no women. Whereas again, then the new chapter of social media, I think people felt that again, but in a different way. So with Instagram and the new way to communicate and stuff, but I think slowly we're getting there. <laughs> yes, I, th- I think know. we are. I think the whole, you know, the the wine bitch thing, I think that can probably go to bed now. But still, mm. it forced a conversation. I mean, that was another time where I nearly stopped doing everything and it's put me back a lot. But um, I actually, I'm quite grateful for it now, a few years later. Mm-hmm. I, that was a similar trolling thing, but very, very personal, yeah. um, you know, with a much bigger audience looking at it. So... I am now grateful for it because I have never been so determined to succeed in my life than when that happened. And I, I just it. like, right, I don't care anymore. I, I'm going to do things the way that I want to do them and sod it. I am for the consumer. I don't need to please certain people in the wine trade. Here we go. 
take that fuel and put it in the fire and keep yeah, going. Exactly. Love exactly. it. Don't let the fire go out. So let's go back to the three drinkers because this actually is your project with Ada. You, this is not that a television company came to you, right? You said, we're doing this? No, exactly. With the three drinkers, as you can tell, I've been tr- I've been knocking on the doors of telly for years and years. <laughs> please, <laughs> Pitching please ideas. take me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know, exactly. But also with ideas, again, I think ahead of the curve in the sense that people <clears throat> could not see how wine could be anything other than swirling glasses. And, you know, the conversation was always, oh, it's so niche, it's so niche, which is so boring because it isn't. <laughs> All the people who drink wine in the world. Right. But, you know, they just think, well, wine just looks like wine on TV. He's like, well, don't do it that way. Dress up as a rugby player. Dress up as a ballerina. <laughs> Let's get Darcy Bustle in to do that. Let's get... Oh, who's a, who's a good rugby player? Anyway, long story short, no one wanted to commission anything. Yeah. And then Colin, actually, who was the original third drinker, Colin Hamden White. Do you know mm-hmm. him? I, well, not personally, but of course, from you've the come, first season. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you've come across him. So, like, to his credit, he said, Well, what about branded content? Right. Another mm-hmm. thing we got trolled mercilessly, mercilessly before, before anyone realized what branded content was. was like, <laughs> what about. How, how about we approach brands and say, look, well, we can make your show because I've got a, I've got a friend who could produce us a show for Amazon. And did you know that Amazon make TV in two different ways? And so the pitch process is quite different. Yeah, so we did it that way. We did it ourselves. So stuff it. Yeah. That is amazing. And here we are effectively going on to season three. Yes. We just can't believe it. <laughs> people are watching it. It is ridiculous that you bring amazing content. You take people to different places you've been Scotland obviously you're going to Ireland but also it's so funny and I think you don't have really a script do you it's all a bit free flow it's it it is it is unscripted technically we have points that we know we need to hit within a scene but there's a lot of ad-libbing going on as you can tell and you know we're still learning I think if you look back at please don't though <laughs> first, first couple of first four episodes of Scotch. I'm very proud of them for the budget we had and how you know what we were all trying to do at the time. But if you compare that to series three that's coming out, I mean the difference is astronomical. We're so much more relaxed. You know, we know what works and what doesn't. We also had a much bigger budget, which helps so it looks better. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've learned a lot along the way. What's yeah. the funniest thing? That happened. I think I remember I was chatting with AD. So for anyone who's listening, AD Smith, I can't remember what number. He has actually been on this podcast as well. Going back, we're talking about Californian wines. But ah. I think, he, I don't know, he was being chased by a duck. <laughs> I think. Does that sound like a memory if I just made that up? I don't He's know. He's been was... chased by most animals okay. during the course of our of our filming. I think the most ridiculous moment is, um, you know, and I, and I look at it sometimes and go... It made sense at the time, but actually it didn't really make sense at the time. And this was, there's a scene at the end of episode two of the Island show where I'm in a barrel with full of seaweed. Oh, and so, yeah. so, so is AD. A drag queen is offering us drinks. We're by a waterfall and then a chap comes along and starts playing us a song on the guitar. And we all sort of just start swaying, having a nice moment. Love and it. it's like, why I can't remember why why there was a why we did that but um yeah it's so random but i quite like the it. absurdities of life may we continue to go with the flow and embrace what it gives us whether it is seaweed or drag queens exactly and oh. i i highly recommend doing an episode with a drag queen because they are vanity was so funny oh. and so and so much you can you imagine the outtakes the stuff that we oh just my. couldn't put in 
they have energy. You can't, you've got to give them that. Now, yes. the next season, you're working with cognac brands, right? So what, yes. why did you decide to do a season on cognac? Well, the idea was to do the whole of France and working with France is very different from working with Ireland or Scotland just because I think you, you have to really convince people what Amazon is because they do have Amazon, but they don't really get it so much. Mm-hmm. And so we started with cognac because we thought we can probably get the first one done with a spirits brand because they understand marketing budgets in a different way to yes. wine wine yes. producers, which is mm. fair enough. And once they see cognac, then hopefully that will open the door to other regions. So that's why we, and we had some great contacts there as well. So we had some brilliant partners in cognac and I loved it because it's like, it means you can do wine afterwards because cognac is made basically with wine. Mm-hmm. It's a spirit that is. Made um, from grapes. Made from grapes, exactly. And that's, so, and that's yeah. why we can talk about it today on this podcast, on a wine podcast. <laughs> but they also make wine in the cognac region, you know. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. You, I, I've yeah. probably never tried any, actually, to be honest. But then would they be making the wine from Ugni Blanc, the main grape variety that is used for cognac? There is a lot of that. There's lots of blending as well, okay. yes. But yeah, but Uni Blanc, yes, you you basically make a very. It's not a very nice wine to drink by itself when you're well, making it for why cognac. I'm like, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, okay. I suppose presumably there are some wineries like always that are like we are going to prove that we can do something different, and I guess they are creating low yields. They're cutting back, green harvesting, concentrating. I assume those grapes. So because for anyone who's listening, Ugni Blanc is very low sugar. It's high acid, but that makes it perfect for making cognac, but not <laughs> a yes. good sipping wine, right? Exactly. Yes. It's, it's brilliant for distillation. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It just, it's just very sort of uninteresting, quite neutral wines mm. it makes. Mm. But, um, but yeah, but when grown in that area, because it's, cognac is so much about terroir and you know the, the big messages without good grapes even though even you know uni blanc and they've chosen that for a reason without good grapes on good terroir you don't get good cognac because actually you don't it's not like whiskey you don't sort of distill out all the all the terroir for some reason you can you can really taste it through the aging process and and the way they blend it's insane it's like perfume they, there could be mm. hundreds of different eau de vie in there so many different cognacs going to make just one bottle of cognac. Yeah, I'd love to be then with a master blender to actually see. I love it when you discuss with those cellar masters that are doing champagne blends. And I find that fascinating. Yes. What reserve stock do they use? And of course, are they going to use more Chardonnay? Are they going to use more Pinot Noir? What Meunier? You know, it's just, and are they going to mix it? What vintages? Everything is fascinating. So I think, I guess... It's exactly the hmm. same, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. I, but I reckon that there can be even more different elements that go into a cognac than wine. But the, yes, it's it is very similar. Your your taste. You. It's like it's all about the reserve stock as well. New. So you've got newer ones and the older ones as well. Some with more aging wood aging than others and yeah but watching the blending process it is absolutely fascinating because it's a lot of it's done on the nose as well mm. and just you see it just. It, I mean, I haven't watched a perfume, a master perfumer at work yet, although I'm going to. But, ah, um, you would yeah. imagine it's the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would because it's all noting. It's yeah. all nosing as well. And just the way, the, the way that it's done. 
Oh, yes, yeah, that's it. And we, we do show that actually in series three when we are with Remy Martin. Ah, okay. Well, one of the big guys, of course, that makes a lot of yes. sense. Well, yeah, and Baptiste Loiseau, who is an absolute legend in the in the blending space out there. Now, and you mentioned as well, it's actually very much about terroir, which is quite interesting. I remember from my diploma studies that it, there's actually loads of chalk actually in mm. in the soils and that's supposed to be great for having beautiful quality and some finesse in in the grapes isn't there so did you go across all of the six crews within cognac did you visit all the different areas or did you stay within one well we we physically were across the whole region but yes. in terms of cognac itself we did concentrate on grand champagne and petit champagne grand champagne is like it's like the top that's the yes. that's the chalk you know if you were thinking about like Claude Menil in Champagne and Chardonnay on there. It's like, it's mm-hmm. the equivalent. And it has that lovely finesse and salinity. And yes, and as you get further out of this sort of, yeah, it's, so you've got Grand Champagne like right in the middle and right at the top, and then yeah. you have like these rings around it. And then, you know, the, the, the soil becomes a little bit more mixed Mm-hmm. outside of that but yeah Petit Champagne is probably it's different they don't like to say it's a step down it's not really it's just it just gives something different but they, it's what the what the Grand Champagne terroir does is it it gives a lot more longevity to the eau de vie that come out from those grapes okay, basically so they, okay. they, they will last longer um, and whereas you know from the from like the borderie and the areas further out they're probably a little bit more accessible earlier you know, like a like a vintage mm-hmm. champagne would be, mm-hmm. or or you know, non-vintage champagne would be accessible almost immediately, and then if you really want to age something, you need to go grand champagne, petit champagne, and also you can look out for fine champagne. For yes, a blend of those two. Exactly. Yes, that is that that means. I mean, this is why my goodness, wine spirits <laughs> are so confusing, aren't they? Yes, that's that's um, grand champagne and petit champagne is um, fine champagne. And the, why is it called champagne? We do explain that. that. Was the first question I asked in yeah, the show. It's actually. not champagne. No, it's it's because of the terroir. It comes from the word like campagne, which means sort of countryside and old. It sort of meant the soil and stuff back in back in the day, mm. and that became kind of champagne, which is okay. also why champagne is called that because it's spelt like champagne, isn't it? Uh, it is, but I didn't know that. Thank you very much. Every day is oh. a school day. It is in my life. Anyway, but but that is interesting because people get very confused. And actually, we haven't talked about the location, so mm. we are yes. just just north of Bordeaux, aren't we? Just north of Bordeaux, it's so easy to get to. So you fly into Bordeaux. Um, mm. You could you could also fly into La Rochelle, but I think Bordeaux is slightly easier because yeah. it's because it, it just and then it's a hour and a half, two hours up, just up north from there. But it's a great place to visit, actually, especially if you're a real gastronome. Mm-hmm. Um, There's some beautiful foodie hotels, foodie hotels and spas and stuff, Michelin star restaurants by the river. And there's so much to do as well. Yeah, because we don't just concentrate on cognac in the show either. It's, it's obviously there's a cognac focus, but we are looking at the other drinks of the region and we, we go deep on the food as well as having picnics outside because the, oh, fo- nice. the, the food scene there is just, it's gorgeous. It's such a good place for like a, a long weekend. Well, okay, I'm just darting around here. Everyone, calm down. We will talk about how cognac is made. But, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what you must have been pairing then certain foods with cognacs. Did you find there were some really good pairings? I mean, obviously, there's cheese and cognac. I'm 
aware of that. And yes. people love a cigar and cognac. But... Yeah, chocolate and cognac was Ooh, my favourite thing. But, I mean, uh, okay. it's such a good, such a good pairing. And that's what I'll be having this Easter. <laughs> I love it. But would you be going like more of the darker, bitter chocolates with maybe nuts and maybe some flavours inside? Would you go plain? Would you like milk? What, what kind of chocolate is the best, do you think? Again, it, de- it depends on the cognac style, I'd mm. say. So like the youngest ones, VS, going up to VSOP, which... You know, more often than not, these days tend to be blended into cocktails, but they're yeah. a bit lighter. I'd go more milk, fruit, nut with those. But then as you get into the XO, which is the extra old, mm. <laughs> yeah, that's well. um, they're a lot darker, they're a lot older, and they've got that lovely kind of incense furniture polish note to them. More yeah, the you can definitely do darker. Aromas, don't they? Yes, mm. exactly. So they then you can have something a little bit darker, maybe maybe even with a, a bit of fruit as well. Anything with orange peel and cognac. Oh, oh. okay. That is, yes. That is a winner. Yeah. Did you find with savoury foods that cognac, yes. could, even with its higher alcohol, it can hold up? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you don't drink it like wine. Well, I, I, I wouldn't ever suggest you did. Don't tell people what do... they can and can't do. <laughs> if somebody wants to drink 175 mil of cognac, let them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Who am I to say that? Everything in moderation, especially yes. moderation. Yeah, okay, that's um, true. Yeah, but you can, you can do full... Full pairing dinners just with cognac, even the same cognac as well. Totally, it's with savoury food. It loves it loves umami flavours. It loves richer. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it goes with so much. Anything from well, if, if you eat foie gras, pâtés, you know, um, those anything with candied uh, citrus peel. I know I go on about that, but oh, there is an orange note in cognac, a lovely and it's just a candied peel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it just it's just beautiful. We made like a frangipani tart. Ooh, with, uh, now you're when, oh, that went. Yeah, and it had almonds in it and peaches mm. and a little bit of rosemary. And it was basically picking out all the flavour notes that you might find in a particular cognac. This was the Tercet, mm. which is oh, which is extraordinary. Um, but yes, I think, you know, duck duck with orange, duck à l'orange, yes. that kind of thing. So many things, lots of different meats, even up to venison. If you were having the, you know, again, I'd go like the stronger flavour of the food. You'd probably go for the more aged cognacs with more complexity and depth of flavour. So we talk about aged cognac. So we said that, you know, the younger stuff, the VS, which stands for very special and VSOP, which is very special, old proof, isn't it? Old pale. Oh, pale. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there I we know. go. Good, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I know it's very, very old-fashioned terms that have have lingered, which mm. add to the conf- glorious confusion of drinks. So that's either two years. So minimum minimum aging before any cognac can be released is two years, right? Yes. VS is two years, and then VSOP mm-hmm. is four years, and then X, XO extra old. That's like ten years. Minimum it is ten age, years yet yeah. now. Yes, yeah, since twenty eighteen, it's a minimum age of, t- of ten years. But to be honest, a lot of them are a lot older than that, a lot, a lot older than that as well. And you can get vintage cognacs as well, um, and, and, yeah, and a few other styles really. But just those are the big ones. Audage, audage. Yeah, I don't. That's like what the hell is that? What, what is audage? audage? It means outside of age. It basically means it's so old and there are so (laughs) many old cognacs in it. that They don't know know what the hell it is. Who knows? It's something. No, it's just really special. But not very special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or Dage is, is, yeah, you know know you've got something incredible then that has got a lot of age in it. Um, Yeah, XO. And people are starting to sort of brand their XOs as well. So 
Courvoisier, standard. for example. Well, as in just to set them apart from a standard XO. So they, Courvoisier has a now an XO Royale, which ah, is, okay. you know, different and, um, you know, diff- with different aged cognacs in it, for example. So it's more about you get to know that brand and then they will have their XO, but they'll have different levels of their versions of XO. And as you get to know the name that they've called that XO, that will mean something different, right? But different to them. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be minimum 10 years, probably yes. a bit older, but just if they want to set something apart, uh, and, and maybe maybe they've been experimenting with other crazy barrels as well, like some mm. Japanese oak or things like that. Yeah, they will, it'll be EXO, but with a different name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and actually, it's fascinating. It is, do you know, it is, because also as well, I was thinking people, the one question as well, when people do talk about things like cognac, they might also ask like, what's the difference between cognac and Armagnac? Because they're kind of similar, but kind of (laughs) not. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, (laughs) they are kind of similar. They're made in a similar way. Yes. Cognac needs to be Uni Blanc. Armagnac can have, I think it's about 10 grape varieties. So it's yeah, more, more of a blend. Stylistically, it's quite different. Um, Armagnac is more inland, so it's a bit more rustic. Mm-hmm. And south of Bordeaux, just for everyone. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both about the same distance away from Bordeaux, but Armagnac is south and more inland, and Cognac is north and slightly closer to water. Mm-hmm. And which is partly why Cognac is much more famous, actually, because it was ex- it was much more easily exported. That's one of the big reasons as well. There's a lot less production of Armagnac, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I don't know the figures, but I don't there, a, there is a lot less of it. But mm. it's really, with as Cognac has been coming back, especially in the mixology world, Armagnac, I mean, it's never really gone away for real connoisseurs, but yeah, it's Cognac is bringing Armagnac back with it, let's say. Mm-hmm. But in general, if I remember right as well, Armagnac always has kind of more richness. It's more of an oomph, just it's more intense because of the some of the grapes that they're using are just more full body, but also the distillation process means yes. there's more, is it congeners? There's more of those notes that are going to be more powerful and obvious in the drink. Yeah, I, I would absolutely say so. Yeah, when I, if, in my mind, if I'm comparing both, yes, Armagnac does always feel a bit darker, a bit richer, a bit more rustic, as I said, you know, a bit more powerful, absolutely. And it, it is more f- like fudgy, like a real kind of rustic, <laughs> local fudge. So, yeah. so you say that maybe Armagnac, and that's actually a really good description. How <laughs> would you describe to somebody Cognac? I know that we, obviously there's the younger stuff, which is fruitier, and then the older stuff, which is going to have more of the spice and the oak and the dried fruits. But do you have a way to describe to someone if they'd never had cognac, what to expect? Very. I mean, I haven't got a vanalogy or a spiritology or cognacology for it yet. How would you but... dress your dog? <laughs> <laughs> it, I think cognac would be very regal because it's, oh, especially if you compare it to okay. whiskey or armagnac, it, to me, to me, Anyway, it's a bit more velvety, a bit smoother, a bit Love more it. fruity, mm. so a bit more, e- a bit easier to drink, I think, for a brown spirits, dark spirits novice yes, than okay. mm-hmm. than whiskey or armagnac would be. It it it's to me, it's someone like Louis Louis the Fourteenth, all dressed up in his finery. Um, Love it. That's yeah. what the dog needs. He just needs his crown. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that one, couldn't I? Yeah. Exactly. I'm looking forward to that video. Yes, but it's, you know, lots of detail, but very elegant with it. Um, and 
yeah, but certainly with some personality there, hence the fruitiness. <laughs> mm, okay, I like it. Now, I mentioned that obviously, yes, they're using different grapes, Armagnac and Cognac, but they're also using a different distillation method. How are you on describing that? Because I'm not very good. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're quite right. The the major difference in how it's made is the distillation because mm, cognac mm. is always distilled twice and it's using a pot still, whereas Armagnac uses column distillation, which is more mm. kind of continuous. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that it's, it's the kind of thing that you would make vodka from. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, yeah. So it, it is a very, it's a very different process in that regard because pot stills usually give a little bit more character and a little bit more, well, spiciness sometimes as okay. well. Mm. But yeah, and whereas the columns are used to produce more neutral spirits usually, which is interesting given that the final product sort of sounds like the opposite of that. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, but I love it anyway. So it's interesting. I really need to go and see these. I love the little copper pot stills. I love the shapes and I've never actually spent time in, mm. what do I call it? Because I can't call it a winery in a... In a, oh, a distillery. Oh, it's a, a distillery. distillery. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. can tell that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I never spent time in a distillery. I need to. I need to get to grips with it. I think it's about time. Oh. Well, do you think Balfour will ever do any distillation? Do they? They don't, do they? Obviously, they, they don't. Because do yeah, you would have seen it. No, they do not at this moment in time. But um, I shall chat with my winemaker. Maybe at some point, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe brandy is the next step as the English yes. wine revolution continues to evolve. Yeah, it's just a shame that brandy just doesn't sound good, does it? It no. sounds really kind of cheap and gets you hammered, which is not what we want. But I guess that might be from the fact that certainly in England, I can't talk about all my listeners in America and other places, but if you've gone to Spain and you've had Spanish brandy, very okay. often the Spanish brandy that was just easily available was pretty cheap. So again, yeah. that's not fair to all Spanish brandy, but I think that perhaps has the same reputation as Carver. Everyone's drinking your their five pound Carver and not understanding that there is beautiful Carver that's 20, 30 pound a bottle. So then you're like, oh, Carver, that's just cheap sparkling. It's like, yeah. You know, I th I wonder if that's the reputation, the change. I, I think it is. I mean, I, when we were out in Cognac, they were at pains to make sure we got the message across that all Cognac is brandy, but not all brandy is Cognac. Mm -hmm. A bit like mm -hmm. sparkling wine and champagne, all, all of that. No, and it is important because, of course, as well, and, and you can't call your Cognac a Cognac unless it's from the Cognac region. Exactly. Yeah. It is the wine lover's spirit, it I would is, say. It is, isn't it? So mm -hmm. let's, uh, I'm going to, you know, digress just slightly to finish off with Cognac. You know, what cocktail? I know you love a cocktail. So people who, <laughs> let's just say that all the wine lovers here who are like, you know what, Helena, you've excited us. We're going to go and get a bottle of Cognac. And then they're like, don't like it. They're going to have to put it in, they're going to have to put it in cocktail. So just in case somebody doesn't like to drink it neat. <laughs> what would um, you advise they put it in? What cocktail? Well, I could advise you to not put it in a Parmesan espresso martini because no one should be doing that. Oh my that. God, that's um, gross. I'd say start always with a sidecar. It's, mm -hmm. it's iconic. Um, it, especially when you have it in a little coupe glass. And that Cute. is essentially cognac with citrus, a bit of Grand Marnier, uh, or, you know, or triple sec. Yeah. And it just, it sort of brings out that fruitiness and the sweetness without being cloying. It's got a lovely acidity. Oh, just an absolutely so, so delicious and so elegant. Yes. Go ask for a cognac. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Car. A sidecar. Side mm. And also 
just pour uh, ginger ale. Ginger ale is a good addition, isn't it? If somebody wants yes, to mix. Yes, that's it. Hi- yes, if you want to just do really, really simple, highballs are perfect. Ginger ale and also like Sicilian lemon. You, you, you can get a lot of sodas and tonics and, and mixes today that are really meant to go with cognac. Ginger ale is absolutely perfect. You're so, so right on that. Sicilian lemon. Um, even if you, if you can find mandarin one, we work with Franklin and Sons and they've got a mandarin and ginger one, which is stunning with cognac and pineapple and almond, those kind of citrusy mixes with cognac. Brilliant highballs. Love it. Okay. Do you know, actually, genuinely, I feel like I may try it. May. Oh, do you? That's probably the place to start, actually, rather than the sidecar. Yeah, a highball. Okay. And if I do become a cognac convert, I can then buy one of your t-shirts that says... (laughs) Cognac convert, right? <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, we've got a t-shirt. Yes, absolutely you can. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And if uh, you are not a cognac convert, on Helena's t-shirt website, you can also get Riesling Rocks, which I definitely, that one I f- for sure can get and wear. Cognac convert, we'll see. Oh, that's it? my favourite one, actually. I think it's because the green against the black works uh-huh. really nicely. Yeah, actually, yeah. I realise, hang on a minute, I'm just chatting about your T-shirts and everyone's like, what? Now we're talking about T-shirts. <laughs> yes, we're on to T-shirts now. So you, you just decided that you wanted to start, because, you know, because you're not oh. busy enough. You want to start a T-shirt yes, company? Yes, well, I, yeah, I've always wanted to have merch, right? Mm-hmm. And I... and. Um, <laughs> drinky teas and I always wanted to call it drinky teas just with like wine slogans and I know there are a few of these around but it's just really easy to design them you know Mm -hmm. I could almost do them to order yeah but I just I'm moving to the Isle of Wight which is just just dropping that clangor in there um (laughs) and yeah there's there's a company based on the Isle of Wight and it's all sustainable like carbon neutral most the most of the products are, are carbon neutral and like recyclable as well and plus every t-shirt i sell goes back to cleaning the seas because, oh, okay. you know, I'm a baby. that's yeah. i like that yeah that's beautiful. yes I, it's important to me especially if i'm going to live on the island i need to embrace all of that more than i ever have done before i think good yeah. luck it's going to take you a while to get off i love going to isle of Wight, but getting that bloody ferry <laughs> well, well, <laughs> oh no don't i'll be trying to do it every week it's fine it's fine lovely perfect um just get yourself a helicopter no so what the website is www.drinkytees.com and it's tees as in t-e-e-s right yes that's Drink right Drink it, tease. Thank Drinky you. <laughs> and hang on, I, I have a question for you. Do you have a favourite wine slogan? Yeah, well, yes, I'm sure I do. Actually, I think my fa- my favourite one, one that I'd like to wear but I don't have at the moment, is Trock and Beer and Alsalazer. Just because it's, <laughs> beer it takes and- off. It takes up the whole hoodie, and I just find that really funny. And it's, and it's just so geeky as well. I've got one for you. Go on then. Hakuna mm-hmm. Moscato. <gasps> Hakuna Moscato. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, what was? <laughs> it's got you excited now. No, no, it it, it really has. There's sort of there on the. There's so many. Like, you know, I love, I love a pun. I love wordplay. Mm-hmm. There's a few for us uh, to think about, isn't there? Yes. No, yeah, there are. Thank you. Answers on the postcard. Winner gets one. There you are. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
I am sure you were all enthralled to listen to part one and so are now waiting eagerly for next week's episode, which continues with Helena educating us and telling us some of her fantastic stories. So next week, you'll learn a little bit about her whiskey project, the whiskey that is matured in Bordeaux barrels. We'll, of course, be talking a bit about Bordeaux, specific region Pomerol. We'll go across to Chianti in Tuscany, Italy, because, you know, why not? So we'll both be giving you a little bit of recommendations of some wonderful places that we have both enjoyed in our trips there last year. Helena is on Talk TV Live every week, so of course is tasting so many good wines, so she's going to give you a rundown of her latest favourites. We're just going to start here, there, left, right, centre, everywhere. So next week's episode is a good end. I will, of course, leave you now with a wine quote and... I get to make it about cognac this time. So, I may be pronouncing his name wrong. This is Abba Jani, who is an American historian. He's a novelist and a poet and a million other things. And he said, If life is a birthday cake, let my face be smeared with its icing of cognac and kindness. <laughs> I think that sums up this episode perfectly because kindness is one of the keys to happiness, as is a beautifully matured glass of cognac. Now, whilst you're being kind to others, be kind to yourself this week. Stay motivated. If you've learned from Helena's story, if you are knocked back, get back up, believe in your purpose, believe in your focus and you'll get there. Don't forget, if you are enjoying these podcasts and you are feeling kind, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. It does help the podcast become more discoverable. And of course, share it everywhere with your wine-loving friends. Thank you, as ever, for listening. I raise my glass to you all. And until next week, cheers to you. <laughs>